correctly with the correct amount. D20 Radio, where gamers roll. radiocom Welcome to Me and Steve Talk RPGs, a podcast where me and my friend Steve try and help you get the most out of your role-playing game experience. Hey folks, what's up? Welcome back to Me and Steve Talk RPGs. I'm Steve, and I'm here tonight with my friend Steve. Hi Steve. Hello. And uh, we're also joined by two uh, rather long-distance guests, and we'll get to those in a second as we, we do our... Um, D20 Network podcast spotlight this week, which is a podcast that, well, as we record, has not been added to the webpage, but it is soon to be. And that is, I wrote this down because it's a long string of words and I won't remember them all if I don't write them down. (laughs) It is called The Wondrous Atlas of Creation's Destiny, which is a podcast about Exalted. And uh, joining us tonight are Aramithius and Reals, who are the hosts of said podcast. So uh, welcome to me and Steve, and also welcome to the D20 Radio Network, guys. Yeah, it's good to be here. It's just, we're getting all official with this podcast stuff now. It's kind of getting veering towards scary and efficient. Yeah, sounds dangerous, like we're getting professional. We wouldn't want to confuse people. Well, <laughs> well you're in the right place if you want them confused. Excellent. <laughs> you're in the right place if you want to want people to not know that you're professionals. every once in a while we get somebody that's like oh yeah you guys are professional podcast no no stop that (laughs) professionally unprofessional that's the job here yes i have a computer in a corner of my basement with a 50 dollar microphone Yep, figures. Uh, I do occasionally feel I feel like I need to make this into a proper studio and just kind of hang clothes horses and with with stuff draped over it as sound dampening. But uh, my ears tell me I don't need it. That's the excuse I make anyway. Well, you know, <laughs> not to get too technical, but mic selection has a lot to do with that. And I have found what you can't see is behind my backdrop there is a uh, long bar of clothes hanging, and it does a wonderful job of dampening yeah. the sound. Yes. I just filled my room with junk. Yeah. <laughs> See, mine just came full of junk. Stuff yeah. everywhere. Stacks of books. Yeah. Folders of character sheets. So yeah, you guys do uh, a podcast all about Exalted. Yes. Which I will say I don't know a ton about. I do know that it is a world of darkness, chronic storyteller, story path, whatever, system driven. And the basic pitch I've gotten about it, it is the basically Final Fantasy, the RPG, or at least that's how a lot of people view it. Now, yeah. you actually contacted us because a couple of weeks ago we did an episode, we called it F20 Super Fantasy, where we were talking about using superhero tropes in your fantasy game. And you're like, you contacted me like, oh, you want to come talk about a fantasy game that really is absurdly high powered? Yes. <laughs> And weirdly does also kind of follow all of the superhero tropes. Yes. Out of the box. It 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 works. So mm. um, you know, we we've talked about it briefly with um Jazz, who uh works on the OP cast, I believe, and used to work with Story Told. But um yeah, so you, you wanted to come talk Exalted and uh, if you want to talk about your podcast for a little bit before we get into talking Exalted, uh have at it. 
Yeah, sure. Basically, we are a law podcast for for Exalted because creation as a world, as a world, as the place where Exalted happens, is big and full of stuff, and is just a fantastically fun thing to talk about. One of the biggest pulls for Exalted, if not the biggest, is the setting more than anything else because. The rules are their own beast, and I'm sure we'll get to that, <laughs> but it's just a beautiful, beautiful world. It is a it is a flat world that has basically elemental poles that get more like the thing that you're getting to when as you get as you get to each edge. You it's a game where you are playing superpowered fantasy heroes out of the box. You can start off being something being something crazy like like ruling a kingdom and wielding a sword that is tens of thousands of years old and has its own saga. You can that, and that's just a few dots on the sheet. Uh, you and can that's already not even have... mentioning the spaceship that is a god that's just hanging out around there. Yes, it. You get certain bits of the setting, and it gets just gets very, very gonzo, very, very quickly. <laughs> and there's just so much to talk about. We just thought, let's talk about the settings and how you try and actually rein this stuff in and make it into a workable kind of thing to use in your games. So half of it is just ranting about how crazy everything is and how wonderful and how marvelous and trying to talk over what the what of the game and or of the setting and the second part is and now how do you think about plotting that stuff how do you use it what sort of tricks do you try and bring in to make it manageable <laughs> uh, so yeah that was sort of the genesis of the podcast very cool so let me ask this is the map then in you say it's a flat world is it because of the poles, somewhat the shape of, of like the profile of a rugby ball. It's a, it's a diamond. Yeah. Um, it they the map you get in the front of the book is always a square, but that's because it doesn't. It's not Discworld rules. There is an edge you can fall off. It's more napkin in a CD diner rule, where it's kind of fraying at the edges in every edge, and you can then fall out into well the place where all the fairies live, which is a place that no one wants to be. That is just pure chaos, basically. You have the you have the four the four elemental poles at each point where you've got air in the north, fire in the south, wood in the east, and water in the west, and earth slap down in the middle, kind of being your points of order, and everything after that point is just or around that point is just a kind of an, a rough edge of certainty and reality, and outside of that is just Formless chaos, where you can go to sleep and wake up suddenly being a potted plant. Okay. Sounds like your average D&D session with Steve. But... <laughs> oh, and also, it's technically, if you want to go by the scale on most of the publications, it's bigger than this world. It's bigger than Earth. You find a map, and you've got a little bit of the Blessed Isle in the middle, and everything else around it. The Blessed Isle is the size of Russia <laughs> when you look at the scale. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> and it's, yeah, there's just a lot that goes, a lot that kind of is squeezed into that, and it's just immense fun to talk about, and that's basically what we do. Yeah. And the, as you might have sort of gotten already, dynamic here is basically, as he said, ranting about how crazy it is. In, in Aramithis' case there, that's usually in the oh no, how do we make the sensible case? Whereas mine is with a certain manic glee. <laughs> yeah. I, I did listen to one of your episodes and uh, I, I would like to say that for as as much as you uh, profess to be very um, off the cuff, etc., you both have either spent an obscenely stupid amount of time like memorizing these books or you have done more homework 
than Steve and I have done for the entire run of our show for every episode. Probably somewhere between the two, <laughs> in, all, yeah. in all honesty. It's, it gets to the case, and not to overly sell Exalted to, to the audience here, but a lot of the stuff in those books is so out there that it does just stick in your head it doesn't end up feeling like the sort of homework like the aforementioned spaceship that is a that is a god that's just chilling outside of reality that's not all the fact that the sun is also actually a spaceship sometimes okay yeah and that's sort of that's almost veering into elder scrolls territory but that's gonna get into a horrible horrible mix-up that we probably shouldn't talk about that's my other two podcasts Look at that subtle shilling. Absolutely. <laughs> like I said, all I really know of Exalted, other than I've been kind of explained that it 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 is a little Final Fantasy-ish in terms of the way it works. Yep. Uh, I do know it runs off the storyteller slash story path engine, which is fistfuls of D10s. Yes. And that's kind of, I mean, other than again, from from some of what I've heard some other podcasts talk about and then the one episode I listened to of yours, it also feels like it has a very, very strong kind of social and societal element to it as well. Yeah. The thing that I've sort of always said to people is that there are three exalteds. There is the exalted that exalted's books and exalted's marketing want you to believe exists. There is the exalted that the community wants you to believe exists. And then there is the actual game and they are three completely different beasts. <laughs> yes, because they are getting, well, the, the, the books themselves are getting steadily better and better researched into what they're actually dealing with, and they will actually kind of dig into the realities of sort of governance and empire and that's and that sort of thing and the effect that that kind of thing has on the people that, that run it, and it takes it quite seriously to um, to say, yes, this is a this is a bad thing, and that things need to change and make sure that you portray it all that way and that you are at the same time kind of fighting against all of this stuff to try and make the world a better place, whatever that means for your particular character and your particular type of character. But you can also just not le not have any of that seriousness in there at all and just be Greek heroes smashed into an anime. Yeah, that's that's the other big one that hasn't been sort of mentioned thus far is as much as all of the skin and set dressing on Exalted is very, very... Yeah, very, very East Asian inspired. It gets wider when you look at other parts of the world, but if you are picking up Exalted off the shelf, you're going to be like, ah, it's a Chinese or Japanese role-playing sort of thing. But a lot of their storytelling tropes, a lot of their actual design things, especially in the older editions, are ripped straight from the Greek, mostly because it wants you to be... It wants you to be big, it wants you to be powerful, it wants you to be capital E epic. And that's sort of the thing that made us jump when we when we heard your, uh, your F20 Super Fantasy thing, because... That's basically what Exalted is trying to do out the gate. You are... I mean, it's the standard one of the line that we go for it is a normal human person, even fully armoured and with a sword, normally counts as a trivial NPC for player characters. You don't give it stats. It falls over and dies. <laughs> when there's 10 or 20 of them, then we talk. <laughs> yes. And so you engage the Lords of Hyrule mode and then you can actually do things. So I guess then maybe this is a good time to insert you know, we, we take questions from some of our Patreon supporters and uh, we let them know in advance sometimes you know, we're talking about certain things. And um, had one of our listeners asked us, you know, what, and you've touched on some of it already, but what sets Exalted apart from other fantasy games? You know, why would you play 
exalted instead of say D D or Pathfinder or Earth Dawn. Scale. Scale, scale. Even even with Earth Dawn. Um because I, I I'll go out there at the front. I have little to no experience with D. I have a reasonable amount of Pathfinder and a tangential amount with Earth with Earth Dawn. It's it's all in the scale. Like to take the Earth Dawn example. In Earth Dawn, the horrors are an existential threat. When you see them, you run because everything is going. In Exalted, the equivalent that you have for that of 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 the Fair Folk, that's they can be starting enemies, and you go up from there. Yes, I've literally built done a one shot for Exalted where the first combat is you punching down a river god. So you're dealing with bigger themes, epic stuff, having a much higher power level. It makes the conflicts different. So you, you can you can start ruling a kingdom or. Um, or wielding a sword that already has its own legend and can basically shatter armies with a single swing at the start. So it puts a very, very different focus on the kinds of stories that you can tell and the kinds of conflicts, the kinds of challenges that you as a GM are kind of putting across. So it's just a different mode of operating compared to most yeah. games. It's now this this one does tend to get some some exalted fans taking up their pitchforks and and lit torches at me whenever whenever I go for this because it's part of the whole the three exalted thing it's part of what the community stereotype for exalted was and it and people some people get antsy about that but it does take it can take I should say a very very sort of saturday morning cartoon stroke through to anime sort of tone and that's what you can do you can go big you can go heroic you can I have somewhere lying around on my computer a run-up character sheet I made because you can just make He-Man exactly to almost every degree in Exalted's character engine, and it works. And I, uh, I can just hear from the giggle that you're trying to you're trying to figure out how I did it. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. The answer uh, is exigent, and it's in the sword. Um, uh, <laughs> okay. Yep. Um, yeah. It's it's that sort of thing. You can't. And I would go further to say that a lot of the stories that you can tell in D&D and Earthdawn and all of those, you can't do in Exalted. Like, we, we've discussed this and we've argued about this on our podcast a lot. The standard, the standard sort of D&D meet in the tavern, crawl through a dungeon for hire, Exalted has hard time and you have to take some spanners to make it work. Yeah. It sounds to me like you're saying that both, you know, with, with almost like the, the mythology tie-ins, especially you know, the Greek and whatever, that... In some ways, they've almost taken and and I like the kind of caricature kind of take that a lot of you know be it Final Fantasy or a lot of the anime has taken on the central characters of the story, where they are these much much bigger exaggerated, and in this case, it sounds like you've taken that and turned up the kind of the. I, I don't know if the, the mythology is the right word for the world, but kind of you've done that with the setting and also with the characters that you're actually playing. Yeah. And so there, it's it's almost like like a Gulliver and the Lilliputians yeah. in regards yes. to power levels, I guess. Yeah. It's, yeah. You basically, if you, if you had your normal fantasy world and you wanted to get exalted out of it, you'd basically take your little mad scientist's bank of dials and you would twist all of them to 11 for better or worse <laughs> yes and it's it is one of the things that various dif various different editions have tried to wrestle with with exalted but the the problem of mortals not mattering your baseline humans kind of being a problem is an interesting one i mean third edition is trying to rebalance that to a degree um but 
the the base level humans and to an extent the less less powerful exalts have just occasionally been seen as speed bumps by the setting <laughs> more than actual challenges so it's 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 a problem and you can do some things to tweak it but uh it's, it's just imagine in your D context if your party started at ninth level and almost everyone in the world was a little baby kobold that is the equivalent of what you are it's the i had one of my one of my one of my players in one of my games um and outright completely rip off a bit a, a superman speech where he did the world full of cardboard speech and i felt i had to reward him for experience with it because it worked um <laughs> and the go google that speech if you haven't if you have if you haven't uh read or heard from the animated one of it before because it's great all the whole thing about being super duper powerful and how when everything around you is so weak and fragile that that's the constantly having to hold back sort of thing and that's that is one of the caveats of exalted and it only really works frankly because most players think like people rather than thinking like superhumans yes and that's i've had players who've seen like 10 who've seen like 10 town guards coming down at them with spears and have decided that the best option here is to oh run we can't handle that fight and it's like no no you absolutely can yeah and that's with characters that aren't optimized for combat <laughs> yeah so it's yeah and that's another thing that the the kind of the contrast between the human as in the emotional illogical side and kind of godlike power that's just been given and and how you deal with that in whatever context and uh, that's generally the central question regardless of the type of exalt you're playing and you do get different flavors depending on what the blessing of what god um is particularly um has been given to that particular character but the central question for most of it is kind of what does this particular human do with that amount of power and where is it going to go wrong yeah okay so so are are your characters in exalted then so to speak again maybe not the exact proper use of the word but are they basically uplifted humans that have been blessed by some deity or something i know i've heard a lot of talk about yes. you know, solars and lunars and etc and so forth i don't know all of them obviously mm, but mostly it's it's the it's the weird thing of we and the books and everyone sort of use exalts as a general term but they come in if you want to simplify it to the simply two two distinct varieties because there are those that are uplifted humans which are um your solars your lunars things that are given by one of the big one of the big powers and you pick up a human and say you get superpowers today normally they don't explain why either because that's always fun but then there are it used to be just one kind now it's actually quite a few with the new ones that they're making in this new edition that are born that way you're the dragon bloods as they are called with the name there it is hereditary you can get it from your parents um and now also technically uh, some of the newer ones like liminals that are basically just frankenstein and arguably alchemicals who are the robots that live in the god spaceship but i keep getting hit with a spanner whenever i whenever i start yeah. talking about the god spaceship in our podcast <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know you're just desperate to talk about autochthonia but we don't have enough materials yet <laughs> or at least not in third edition but yeah so you've got those sort of different those sort of different power levels and that and they all have kind of have different constraints as well like the like dragon blooded are generally socially acceptable, shall we say? Uh, whereas your more powerful celest um, celestial level ones, solars and lunars particularly, are 
considered anathema by the dominant religion and culture of the world. And so they have to run and hide. Otherwise, lots and lots of fairly powerful people with pitchforks and torches will come and hunt them down. So it sort of balances that way. Okay, so I'm going to ask this and, and, and bear with me here. How does Exalted deal with the power spiral? Because it sounds like you guys are really dealing at a really high level and that the characters are super high level powerfully wise, powerful wise. Is there a power spiral? Is there a vacuum? What's the what's the landscape kind of look like? Um, can things get out of hand is basically what I'm asking. It's and designed with the idea that they I can't say with the idea that they will, because because it's designed with it, they're not getting out of hand. But it's the case of both the floor and the ceiling with power level nonsense are set a lot higher than you'd expect. Like it's as you sort of mentioned, it's entirely reasonable to expect that your characters will have a disagreement with a god and will solve that by punching them. And it's that sort of thing. Yeah, and so it's a case it's a case of the challenges being different as in the things that will get in your way um to stop you doing a thing are going to be different when you're on that scale it takes a bit of a time for any players to grok it so if you've got someone who's new to exalted playing they will again as we said kind of run away from the town guards and think oh this particular this particular person this particular mortal is going to be problematic so we need to find some elaborate way of dealing with them no no you don't you just need to you just need to deal with them and be done so the things that are actually going to get in your way are things that are of a similar level to you and so you will have more elaborate, more complex antagonists that you also potentially will see again and again. Exalted's power levels give you the opportunity for reasons for people to be recurring rather than you just face the big bad and you kill them. And so you can wind up with those sorts of relationships quite well. The, the, other, the other fun thing um, is that you make it a game of consequences, otherwise known as kind of what um, what Daenerys found out when she liberated the East in Game of Thrones. It's the case of, right, you want to free everyone. Fine, the place is now chaos because you've completely disrupted the old social order and um, the slaves are, ru are running riots in the streets. People are getting strung up because they were old slave owners. What do you want to do about that? Is that a problem? And which the case of most players will think, well, yes. Um, and so they try to find ways to deal with that. So you want and or you want to say, OK, cool. I want to I want to build this fantastic, um, fantastic sword that will split continents in two. OK, you've got to hunt down this, this and this ingredient. And you've got to um, you've got to come up against certain certain monsters that will be guarding those guarding those resources and then what happens when the sword actually activates and does it work according to plan and all those sorts of questions it's a very different mindset up, um from oh we need to clear the goblins out of the cave right right so it sounds almost like it's it's a game whose core premise is you know everyone thinks the management at work is a bunch of idiots so okay here you go now you get to herd the cats yeah yeah and um, <laughs> Frankly, even even in our podcast, I tend to play into that a, a little a little bit because uh, using the phrase the management at work there, there is how can I put this? Uh, heaven is run by the by the magical CIA, uh, and, and heaven is also a bureaucracy. Yeah, oh. uh, and it's a bit of a meme in the community. It's also a bit completely accurate to take issues with them, the sidereals as they um, as they're called, but equally any time that. You sort of actually sit down and think about it. Like, how would I do it better with the board set out how it is? The answer is you wouldn't. And heck, even in the game that I finished running recent, because I was running for some of my players, one that lasted almost two years, um, that ended recently, where 
they kind of as soon as they found out how how the conspiracy goes uh they tried started fighting against them tried hunting hunting these people down and watching as everything started falling around out around them with the whole necessary evil thing it is the game of consequences like you sort of said of you can do you can do whatever you like should you <laughs> that's breaking badass in a way then yeah mm-hmm. so yeah it just sounds like yeah interesting and and i have to say of late i've found myself when i say i'm interested in a game a lot of time that means i'm interested in this game as something i would run yeah and and that's kind of what drives a lot of what i buy exalted to me based on previous explanations and you guys tonight sounds very much like a game i would like to play but i am terrified of trying to learn the amount of information necessary to run it <laughs> yeah it's I would say it's kind of a game of two halves from the DM side because I, I am a by choice forever GM for Exalted because I've I've played it a sort of few times and I find it a lot more, I find it a little more pleasant sitting behind the GM seat for Exalted than I do in the players one. Mechanically, it is very 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 simple to go for. It's compared to a lot of other games I've tried to run, Exalted is relatively simple. I mean it's it's on it's on the sort of old story te- storytelling esque engine, so it's never going to get too wacky, but it is like you sort of say, fistfuls of d10s, and you never have to add up anything that isn't based in fives. Yeah, and from a and from a setting point of view, yes, the set the setting can be very intimidating. I I fully understand that, and the way that you try and unpack one element, it will always try and lead into another one because everything is very well crafted and interconnected. But you can run things that where you absolutely ignore all of that because creation is so big. You can just pick a random spot in the map where nothing is mentioned at all officially and say, right, there's about five kingdoms there. Let's go and play in that and make your own setting with the right sort of flavoring as you understand the setting. So you don't have to absorb all of the information if you don't want to at that particular point and kind of make the game your own to a degree without feeling like you're disrupting too much. And also the default type of Exalted, uh, the Solar Exalted, kind of have that in mind because within the the lore of the game, they have all of a sudden just come back. Everyone is wondering where on earth all of these brand new shining golden people have come from. They don't really know themselves and And their divine patron is not returning his calls. (laughs) Not at all. Um, there There are no institutions around them in the world, whereas there are with quite a few of the other exalt types and so you can just make it whatever you like without any real consequences within the system and then plug it into the the extended stuff as you kind of feel that out yeah and equally they you can also and this is especially useful when you've got players who don't know much about the setting because the because the god that does create solas the unconquered sun is and i'm gonna start I'm going to start saying my controversial thing again, that he is the god of humanity above a lot of all other things. <laughs> I've had this ramble at you several times. I, I, will, I will do it again. Yes, okay. He's basically a god, of, a god of humanity. He does tend to... You can very easily sort of justify um, that, yeah, Biff, Chip, and Kipper, the peasants, have all just been picked up. They don't know that the world even goes beyond their village, and you can then have the thing of the players discovering the world and the setting as much as the characters are versus a lot of the others that tend to be a bit pickier about who they go for. Okay. So from, I know that the, the 
storyteller path games that I'm more familiar with are, you know, the Vampire the Masquerade, Werewolf, etc. And where there was a very strong meta plot in the setting. You mentioned Exalted somewhat has though, but it also sounds like to a certain point, Exalted could very much be set up in kind of this static thing like, and I don't know if you guys are familiar with the D&D setting of Eberron at all, mm. where it is very static in, in, its, in its way. It's very static, but there's all these different elements, so to speak, on a teeter-totter. And, and the fun for me with that setting a lot of times is you can go to this section and focus on this thing and not deal with this other stuff. Or you can go here and, and play this, you know, real gritty noir kind of street level thing. Is Exalted a bit that way or am I misreading some commentary here? No, this is more a question problem with the fact of we cover all three editions of it because this is absolutely an, an inter-edition thing. Third edition, the latest one, is very much in the Eberron sort of thing where it's trying to avoid meta plot, just set the board, everything is about to go wrong, but it hasn't yet. Play as you like. Second edition, my my precious my precious child, was I will argue, and I I can say it's coming from the point of having read a lot of the old White Wolf meta plots across a lot of their games, the wackiest White Wolf meta plots ever got. It went really hard into it, and I think because because of how it went, their third edition had no choice but to just try and make a flat playground. So it's a case of if you are willing to do the the background reading for it, pretty much of digging up the old books, you can either ha find and use lots of meta plot or take what you're giving in third where you are given that sandbox. It is very much in the ref's choice, pretty much, as to which one of those two continuities you want to go with. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it that will also shift the tone sometimes as well, because second edition tonally is quite different to, um, to third, yeah. because that can sort of veer into the kind of... Not exactly science fantasy, but the fr the phrase the word magitech comes up and ma and kind of sufficiently advanced magic that's indistinguishable from technology kind of becomes a thing as well. So the god who is a spaceship who builds robots. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. So um, so there's there's a lot of tonal differences between editions as well. Which if you are kind of coming too exalted, then be aware of those. There is a um, there is a free kind of style guide. It's intended for exalted content creators who are saying, well, if you want to write for first edition, this is the thematics. If you want to write for second edition, these are the themes. And But it's also a reasonable guide for understanding where all of the material comes from if you're just reading it. Okay. So, so what are then, just since you brought it up, what are kind of the core themes of exalted? And, and if they do, you know, as you say, they're vary by edition. You know, what are they? I was going to say, we tend to chop it up mostly just because, especially when it comes to the fluff, um, the, the lore and the setting and all of that, it is very much a tale of two cities because first and third are very similar and then second is a weird little alien. So I think you can start with first and third because that's your beast. Yeah, sure. Um, well, fir first is a bit kind of, a little bit sort of dying of the light in some ways that it's um, that you are kind of cho chosen heroes fighting against some kind of doomed inevitability that's kind of, um, that's going that's going to come about. That's there's sort of hints at that here and there, but uh, first uh, first edition is kind of make your mark upon the world and that and be and kind of be and kind of be human. Whereas whereas th and and to the extent of you have been given you have been you have been given the chance to make a choice and make a difference through what you are uh third is 
again, going a, rewinding a bit, going a bit back into the mysteriousness, partly because second really overdefined everything. But um, but thir third edition is trying to make things on a on a level a bit more, whereas whereas first is kind of solar exalted are back and are the big last hope for creation um third is kind of shying away from that and saying that yes they are there and they are wild cards and no one knows quite what to do with them uh but everything else kind of has its place as well uh you've also got third edition to me also feels a bit more leaning into the ideas around artifacts and wondrous things in a way that um in a way that first doesn't um as doesn't particularly uh that um, that artifacts are something are something marvelous and tr as almost not exactly things of a bygone age because that's a lot more sort of second beast. But or ev every edition kind of has rough undertones of it being semi post apocalyptic. Uh, but third sort of leans into that rediscovery aspect of it quite a bit more than the other two. I feel, and it's a set of uh, it's a feel of kind of make it your own a bit more. It's a bit more of a toolbox approach. And yeah, I'm now going to let Rels loose and say, talk second edition, because that is what you do. Yeah. So you mentioned earlier that people described it as Final Fantasy, the RPG. I could not put it more succinctly myself. That is what second is in a nutshell. Uh, and if the if the Final Fantasy fans are going to start start asking which one, yes, all of them. Uh, it is. It can be your it would do your classic fantasy where you can be swording and sorcerying. It can do your Final Fantasy VII style. This is a city with cars and spaceships and all of the other nonsense. It, like Aramith has mentioned earlier, it did have a tendency to define. I won't say overdefine. I'm I'm a lore <laughs> hound. I like that sort of thing. But because it had a meta plot, it seemed to feel obligated to constantly reveal more and more and more and up the stakes. So it very, very quickly... The things that first and third try to focus on as, look at this, this is amazing and wondrous in and of itself. You're a, you're a player character. Second very quickly will make that, yes, okay, you've accepted you're a player character. Now here's something new and bigger and more interesting. It focused a lot more on the cosmology of the setting and a lot more on the plane hopping. You would spend a lot less of your time on creation in second because there are a lot of other planes that you could head to, all with interesting stories and big powers that you would be interfacing with routinely. Because while, yeah, every edition of Exalted can have you go and find the local river god and punch his chin in because you don't like him, the thing with second is that you would go and find the things that created reality itself that are now imprisoned uh, deep beneath the world. And you can go and kick them as well, if you like. Uh, it, as well, it had a lot of meta plot where the other ones were post-apocalyptic and very much, ooh, look at the inevitability and the the way that things used to be second would very much incentivize you to if not be the apocalypse at least go through it i constantly reference in our episodes one of the uh, last supplements that was made for it the return of the scarlet empress adventure line which is basically the case of oh you thought the world was bad well watch as we set loose all of the big things that have been threatening to go wild for a while now and that's the sort of tone it goes for it is very very more while first is very greek and third is very global. Second, despite all of the theming and everything else changing, feels the most Japanese of the three and feels the most sort of explicitly JRPG because the standard storyline there of start out as five teenagers fighting a slime end by killing God, that's how most games of second go. <laughs> and that's kind of what it expects. 
it wants you to engage with the highest levels of power. It wants you as players and as a DM to feel like you are making massive impacts on the world and being not just the main characters of the game, but the main characters of the setting. Yeah, whereas third sort of back, explicitly backs away from that and says, no, make this your stories, your worlds, your part of creation that matters. Tell your own stories and don't get sucked into everything that's world spanning if you don't want to. I mean, there is still the levers there to do that, but they are very much de-emphasized in how it's talked about because second can feel overwhelming. I mean, there's yeah. the, the, the amount of nouns that rails has just thrown out trying to describe it i think explains how it can feel yeah. and that <laughs> and was that so... was for reference as well with me filing the proper names off of everything to try and make it less confusing yeah and so third third as a reaction to that has just made it much more personal much more about whatever stories your characters want to tell yeah so it sounds to me like to and maybe try and circle back a little bit to what kind of began this all is the superhero tie-ins that first and to a lesser extent, third are very much in the, with great power comes great responsibility vein where second is more, Oh, look what you could do. Yeah. Um, it's if I had, if I had to go comic booky about it, first and third are going to be, yeah, they are going to be your Spider-Man's your, those sorts of things. It's going to be most of the comic books that most people default go for whereas if second was was written as a western comic book it'd have to be it'd be something bizarre by by like neil gaiman or alan moore and i can't think anyone else would do something second flavored like it, it's the weird thing that the perfect visuals i always come to mind for when doing second edition exalted stuff come from alan moore's run on captain britain that that is my visual for a lot of second edition exalted well now you're speaking my language yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Because the more you talk about second edition, the more I'm like, I think this might be the one. This might be the one. Because I, I looked yes. over third and was like, this seems really grounded. Yes. And second sounds not. And I love me some just insanity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's the sort of thing of like with the nice stand one I like to go with with second is one of the relatively, I won't say secondary, but. Not the most interesting thing happening at that point in one of the pre-written adventures that you can go for is crashing the wedding between the previous queen of the the queen, previous queen of the big empire uh, and Cthulhu. I think is an appropriate way to refer to the Ebon Dragon. Yeah, <laughs> where you have to stop her marrying that, and that's weirdly not the main thing that it expects the players to be focusing on out of all the nonsense <laughs> that's going on at that point. Oh, and by the way, <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is very much pretty that. much. It's... Because you're focusing on stopping the fact that the god spaceship is crashing into Earth. <laughs> nah, it's, it's fine. It's you're fine. really hung up on this god spaceship, aren't you? I, I, I love. I, I can love understand why. I can understand why. I like the idea of a god spaceship. I like the idea that <laughs> it's it's even better with with his story because he is to to talk about Autochthon here because I won't get to on our podcast for at least eighty more episodes. Given given what a sort of structure is going to be the. <laughs> yeah. Back when reality was made, one of the beings that made it was called Autochthon, the great maker. He liked building things. He made technology and made a lot of physical stuff. Uh, he was kind of the ugly duckling of the family there. Everyone made fun of him and kept breaking his toys. So he decided to leave. He just checked out a reality, but brought a bunch of people with him because he liked humans because they also made stuff. And so he let them live inside him and turned himself into a spaceship. 
I want to set my game yeah. there. I, I... You can. There was an entire supplement book to do it, and it's great because the whole thing is a spaceship and everything is very, very sci-fi, despite the rest of the game being all fantasy, but it's working in the same cosmological rules. Yeah, it's uh, and kind of... It's, the, it's a, the baddies it's, and the corruption there are horrifying H.R. Geiger biomechanical monsters. Nice. Wonderful. It's a, it's a spaceship world thing that has basically a kind of indus industrial hellscape um as kind of as the the way i think about everything yeah. everything everything is factories food food is food is manufactured um, everything ev is always moving because yeah. the cities they aren't fixed their their locations are only noted relative to each other because they are all basically in this sort of orrery thing where they're all rotating around and one of the standard ways of execution of criminals in one of the cities is getting thrown off into the mechanism that keeps the city moving. Ooh. Okay. I, now, I, you, you buried the lead on that one, because I love that. that. I'll take, <laughs> like, a billion of that. <laughs> You've piqued my interest specifically here with something, because, and I still haven't actually gotten around to seeing the movie, but a few years ago, Peter Jackson did that movie that was called Mortal Engines. Oh, don't worry mm. about it, Steve. The adaptation of the books. Much. And, I feel well, like the only person young enough to have read them. <laughs> all I know is when I saw the trailers for that movie, I went, there's an RPG world I want to play in. Yes. they Tragically, they never made a proper RPG of that, to my knowledge. If they have, it's because something has changed. Because they were an adaptation of a young adult novel series, and the author uh, just didn't want anyone doing anything with their, with their work until the cinema happened. But it was it is amazing. And Autochthonic is similar with the moving cities. Except instead of that one, the cities move around because they're being piloted. This one, they are all on pretty much automated automated motions because most of the big structures of the spaceship are fixed and it was more efficient, according to the will of the god machine, to move the cities between the different things they would need across the course of a year than to have people go that way. So it's the case of the harvest is when your city passes by the food manufactories. Well, but, but okay, this to me sounds like this incredibly delicious bit of sarcasm of like, the, you know, the bureaucratic nonsense that like it, it, there's something just really delightful about that in, in, in that, you know, like that it would tie almost and, and make it maybe almost a little, I don't know if dystopian is the right word. Yeah, no, it oh, really it's totally the right word. It really is. And they even focus on that to a degree because it's the thing of everyone in there knows that their spaceship that they're in and their world is also their god. And so it's this weird case of there's this parallel religious, bureaucratic and engineering hierarchy that exists that differs slightly in each of the cities, but is still sort of there. And everything is very, very bureaucratic, very, very mechanical, but also in a way that I can only really sort of described by again if people have done chronicles of darkness and seen some of the stuff from um demon the descent it's that sort of reading occult significance in everything around you but this time it's weirdly justified because no no you are in god the fact that like the the door to your house was stuck might not mean that might not just be the door getting stuck it could be the god trying to tell you don't go outside today yeah plus the fact that the the god and your world is dying is yeah, he's in a coma that. and is yes. slowly rotting because checking out of reality sounds all great until you realise that the only thing outside of reality is extremely toxic even to a being as big as you. 
And so, yeah, insofar as there is a meta plot for Autochthonia, it's basically them invading creation to try and stabilize their world by pillaging parts. Yeah. To having to come back to reality to avoid the danger of unreality. Yes. Yeah, this because... has you written all over it, Steve. I know. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I keep hearing this, and I'm like, I, uh, I, I like all of these things. And it's, and it's they're coming back to reality as hostiles because they don't want to go and live there. Because it, imagine if you were living in Star Trek and then you turned up in what is a pastiche of the Bronze Age. Why would I do that? We have running water and TV, so they're just going to try and scrap it for parts. Can we make running water and TV here? And how <laughs> many people they have, do I but have that's to a separate kill to point. do that? Yeah, that that's another thing about a lot of it, that even across editions, Exalted does a lot of kind of making magical versions of modern technology and not really hiding the fact very well. Yeah, I mean, even in Third, which tries to tone that down, there is still a city that is famous because it has... How do they describe Chiaroscuro in the books? Because I just keep saying as a c apartment complexes with indoor plumbing and air conditioning. Yeah, it's basically that uh, Chiaroscuro is a place with magnificent glass towers that people can reforge and reuse the glass, but they can't do anything. They can't make it anymore. Everything is kind of starting to break down. No one really knows what magical workings are within the towers themselves and all that sort of stuff. It's And there's an old I, lady land without, there's an old lady landlady ghost that will rent out bits of the towers for you to live in. Yeah, but without without actually looking the stuff up that um I don't know off uh, off the top of my head quite yeah. how um quite how distinct that is, but I always kind of see it as Kind of a mixture of some of the stuff that you see in um, in in, ce in central London and wizard towers. Yeah, I <laughs> is, was gonna say, uh, are 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 some of the head writers British? Because this is all like, and, and don't take this, don't don't get you know upset by this, but this is all very like. I see this out of like Judge Dredd and like mm. the 2000 AD stuff. Like this is all very. Uh, post thatcher british like style dystopia yeah the, <laughs> i'm trying to think because i know one of the lead designers basically um is somehow scandinavian i can okay. never remember which one hmm. not around anymore um the okay okay with the, with the with the o in his name so i'm not even going to try to pronounce it because i'm very bad at scandinavian phonologies <laughs> right 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 yeah i just was because I, I keep hearing these things and i'm like these are all like you know Dystop there's there's a certain flavor to European yeah. dystopianism, and I, I, yeah. I, I'm not trying to be that you know rude or anything, but well, no, it's yeah, it's Slay has that a bunch too, yeah, with with some of their their stuff, and it is a very kind of distinct flavor of it that I, in most cases, find like deliciously cynically amusing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. no, I'm I'm not disagreeing with that, but we're a lot it, more miserable over here. <laughs> Yeah, and this there are all sorts of things that you can do with tone anyway in Exalted. It's you can go everywhere from that to, um, like one of the games that I'm gear gearing up to doing. We've got the fir first session of it this Sunday, is a is a high school game. You have a bunch of dragon blooded dragon blooded Exalted in high school, and with everything that that implies. So sort of your your, your Harry Potter anime high school stuff. And that sounds fun. And the the game can just do a lot with it. And so tone is it is definitely there, but it's also very very variable depending on what type of games you want to run. Okay. And yeah, the 
and the law weirdly provides for all of it kind of with yeah. even hand because the high school stuff there that's not something that he will have just come up with carte blanche there's in all of the books even across the older editions there are massive sections about yeah and here's what the education system looks like in the realm that's cool i i uh i appreciate that bit of granularity mm. so to 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 go to maybe sort of i mean been a wonderful conversation but what sort of you know you were talking about how and when we were setting this all up, how kind of Exalted likes to lean into these superhero tropes. Are there anything you kind of want to point at specifically or vaguely or something like? <laughs> to sort of start at the surface level and then go deeper from there, even at the secret identity level, especially third, really loves the idea of you. If you are playing anything other than a dragon blood, you are probably going to be hiding what you are. And the secret identity thing, I believe... Uh, the, if not third edition core, then the Lunar's book do outright provide, yeah, here's how you'd go about maintaining a secret identity and all of that sort of stuff. Mostly because he mentioned it earlier of sort of social acceptability and the religion not liking it. It's it's a bit it's a bit stronger than that, frankly. Anything that is not a dragon blood but is very magical is marked for death. Yeah, it's kind very of her- few exceptions. It's heresy in the Warhammer 40k sense. Yeah. In terms of other tropes for um, for superheroes, again, great power and great responsibility we've kind of mentioned. It's because a lot of your themes, particularly for solas, are going to be games of consequences. So kind of The solas you, have you a hubris to... meter. Yes. Yeah, so you've got to be careful about what you do. <laughs> and kind of being very, very careful about how, about how everything is handled. And the distinction between... Um, between those those with power and those without. And you uh, is not... It's not something the game really leans into, but you can absolutely say kind of sti- um, sticking up for the little guy sort of thing um, yeah. as part of your as part of your games, and kind of the impact of what you're doing everywhere else is quite easy to highlight with uh, with how the game puts it across. You can paint with quite a broad brush. You can do your proper city destroying battles with supervillains. That's arguably how most battles with anything that's on your power level is gonna go no matter how you try to handle it um yep. and even on a very superficial level every type of exalt has a batman class that is yeah. there is no better way to put it because they treat your exalt type as your D race treat your cast aspect they change the name for each exalt as your class each and every one of them has what i can call a batman class just like how each and every one has a nerd class yeah, you've got ones that will kind of stick to the shadows. They 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 they're kind of pitched as they're kind of pitched as rogues, but the kind of stuff that they get up to is a level of, is a level above that. You will be given ways to melt into the shadows to um to do things like leap leap from one shadow to another and do thing do things like um, do things like flight and the various other aspects of stealth that will all um, that will all do into that. Su- and superpowers for exalts are perfectly normal. It's not the case that you've got your magic bods and everyone else is just swinging a sword. No, every exalt type has some sort of powers that you um, that you can use and that and uses magic to some degree. So- sorcery as a distinct kind of learned magic does exist as something that's different. But you've got your powers, magic in inverted commas, as with every single type of exalt. And you've got various things from just does thing gooder, having some really, really specific call outs to mythology and to um to an ex- um to a lesser extent 
superhero powers. I've started saying that, and I can't think of any charms that are particularly superhero power references. Well, well, Sorry, the the, uh, the heat vision. Oh, yeah. One of the solo ones from Arms of the Chosen is literally heat vision. <laughs> yes. Um, monkey leap technique is leap a building in a single bound. Uh, that dragon blooded that. athletics one that is Spider Manning on walls. Yep. But yeah, you've got you've got those, that sort of power level of it's not your standard fantasy le- um, kind kind of powers. They're they're kind of the level above that. What uh, one level of it is anime, uh, but yeah. the other is superhero because they both go over the top in what they do. There's quite a bit of overlap. Okay, and you're saying that for the most part, you also you can do all this cool stuff, but you can't let anyone see you do it. Most of the time, yeah. It's why a dragon blooded game is a very different kind of prospect because the solas if you get seen you basically have three choices either a the people love you so much that they'll keep your secret which if the local dragon-blooded authorities are incompetent or oppressive or whatever else is reasonably likely b you have some sort of way of making them forget and the number of powers that can do an effective memory wipe is quite significant even in even in solas who aren't the experts in that the aforementioned sort of magic CIA, they can do that globally, which is all always very fun. Or C, you have the uncomfortable case of having to leave no witnesses. Because if word gets out, you as a solar, like we were sort of discussing, you can handle basically anything that gets thrown at you one-on-one. The Dragonbloods know this. They get armies of magical people to come after you. They send their wild hunts, and those are still very effective. <laughs> You've got a bit of a men in black element here, too. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, particularly with Siderials. I mean, it, they they draw from a whole bunch of different tropes. Like they are your uh, they are your weird martial artists par excellence. Like they you can punch someone and they will forget everyone they've ever known, or their grandfather never existed. One of the two. That those those sorts of weird weird effects and. Yep. They are empowered by the Maidens of Fate, which sounds like all cool Destiny causality stuff, and it talks about threads and tapestry and all that, and you're thinking that's cool, until you realise that that's also the physics engine of the world, and that's how they're... that's what they play with. Yeah, you can kind of play it like Matrix agents or Men in Black or whatever, those those sorts of themes within the exalted world is they famously have the ability to punch someone so hard that he stops being a human because you shunt him into the next destiny over and he becomes a duck (laughs) (laughs) oh well and that's only one of the sidereal martial arts i didn't even mention the one where you karate chop the economy and crash a market Mm. it it gets it gets yeah we're kind of veering into mage here i feel yeah it this is where I have to mention it, because if I don't mention it now, what I what I say in the Game of the Week thing will make even less sense. First Edition Exalted was very briefly going to be sold as a prequel to the World of Darkness. They wanted to say that the world was like this before an apocalypse happened and it turned into the real world. And so, every one of the old egg- Exalt types actually does map to a classic World of Darkness thing that they were supposed to become. Because um, Solas, weirdly, were supposed to be Hunters. Uh, which is a whole thing, but Old World of Darkness Hunters were weird as well, and weirdly tied to Exalted in a different way, but separate separate ramble. The the Siderials were going to be mages. Abyssals, who are your necromantically powered... If I just call them vampires, then it's obvious that they were to become vampires, but yeah, that's kind of the trope they lean into hardest, etc., etc. Dragonblood's becoming the Quajin. 
so on and so forth. That was something that they abandoned after releasing like two or three books for first edition Exalted. But I haven't forgotten. I'll never forget. <laughs> and I still treat I still treat it as absolutely canon because it's it's weirdly not the strangest thing that could happen to that world uh, was it becoming Earth. Well, any final thoughts before we move into our next segment here? Uh, especially just play Exalted. It can handle any fantasy thing you can throw at it, so long as so long as it is big and crazy and just yeah, go for it. Go to it for your Gonzo fantasy. Mm. It's a magnificent, magnificent ride. Okay, and this, your podcast is Wondrous Atlas of Creation's Destiny, correct? Yes, yes. Where well, we try to make it sound less insane. Briefly, yes. And um, if you hadn't already gathered from the name of the podcast. It's Exalted buys into a lot of the very, very silly over-the-top naming conventions of most anime or whatever. Uh, no, that's, that's a wuxia thing. Wuxia, the names are wuxia. all a, yeah. a Chinese wuxia novel thing where everything has a really long name like that. Um, like, the the se- the seven, what was it, the seven destiny shrike or something is a is a standard weapon that you can get in the thing. Everything has a long, ridiculous name that no player ever actually uses. <laughs> I see, the only other exalted podcast I know of is called the Systematic Understanding of Everything. Yes, yes, that's that was pretty much our inspiration. Um, podcast wise, I was I kind of listened to that and thought they're doing kind of ideas for story seeds for really broad areas of exalted. Like they would cover the West in a single episode and say, "Well, what sort of games do you want to run?" And it's like, okay, so. But there's a whole bunch more stuff in the West than just the West. Oh, the West covers a whole lot of stuff. What about if you want to dig down, if you want to go to the Call or to Luth or to the Wavecrest Archipelago and just treating those those locations as things to talk about and talk through for, um, for, th- for sources, for inspiration and how you do that. That was kind of how I came across it because I thought, what if the systematic understanding of everything but more in depth? Okay. Okay. And then he put Very out cool. the call. He put out the call, and I was I was one of the few people nuts enough to go in even more depth. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> All right. So I'm assuming you can be found on most podcatchers. Uh, any other yes. socials? Anything like that you want to shout out? Yeah, uh, we have a website which is wondrousatlas.wordpress.com uh, that has. Uh, our um our episodes and our affiliate links and all that good stuff uh it has a handful of write-ups for some of the story seeds and stuff we've discussed when we get to the end of our second season which will be in i want to say about about six weeks or so time through about three episodes time from now then we will take a break and part of that we'll be writing up a lot and um, some of the story seeds we talked about so into things that are actually workable within the exalted setting so you'll find all of the stuff on there uh we are on twitter at wondrous atlas um and wondrous atlas at gmail.com is the email if you want to send us any questions all righty then well i think with all that being said we move into our next segment which is game of the week woohoo game of the week game of the week So would you like one of us to go first as kind of an example here and then yeah. kind of make a sandwich yeah. or play it by ear or something like that? However it goes. You kick, you kick things Wait, off. You expect us to know the rules for our podcast? Yes. Right? For real? Anyways, <laughs> I have mine ready if you're good with that, Steve. Sure. All right. I have one here 
that is a technically remastering of an older game. 2014, it was originally released. It's been remastered and uploaded to drive through. It's called Into the Odd. This is uh, published by Free League. Uh, author is Chris McDowell. And the artist is Johan Noor, which you might know, mm-hmm. who is the artist for Morkborg. Bastion is the only city that matters in its industrial age. It sits a smoke-shrouded hub of mankind surrounded by a world of lurking horrors and cosmic interference. The underground spreads beneath your feet, and the stars loom above. And so you're exploring uh, wild, wondrous places in this bizarre realm. And I think anything that Johan Noor is is art on or working on, I am 100% down for. Morkborg and Cyborg, ugh, the art ugh, to die for. And this seems really, really cool. Just sort of a refresh and re-release of an older game by Free League that I would say the older version probably didn't, wasn't super popular and Free League comes along and goes, hey, we can uh, make that happen for you. But, yeah, yeah. Reading this blurb, it looks like it's kind of based off of... Um... I think he may be the same guy who did uh, Electric Bastion Land. Yes, it is, is the same is guy that did Electric Bastion Land. Land. Yes, yes. And I am 100% down for industrial anything mixed with cosmic horror. <laughs> <laughs> and again, Johan Noor's art is uh, phenomenal always. So I'm sure this is gorgeous. Uh, based on the cover art, it's already gorgeous. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But it yeah, is. again, that's into the odd. Yeah, that's that kind of art style just kind of hits you in the face of kind of weird sort of almost impressionism kind of thing. Just looking at that cover, it's just very, very kind of veering into sort of surrealism. And hopefully that the mechanics will kind of sling you around and be able to um, just kind of give you whatever strange reality you can find. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so I did some yeah. I did some Google Foo and found some art from inside of the book. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, um, it's very pretty. Oh, yeah. hello, I'm catching feelings. Uh huh. Uh-huh. And the best part is it it's fifteen dollars for the PDF. Um, so that's that is quite a quite a good quite a good deal. I love mm-hmm. how yeah. they added. So all of the art has all of these little. Almost all of the art has all of these little like circles and dashes and notations, almost as though somebody is taking images and analyzing like um, the Disney film Atlantis. They sort of had these mythological images that they had circled and drawn on and made Mm. notes of. And it just seems this seems awesome. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) But yeah, that's mine for the week. All right. So would one of you gentlemen like to go next? Absolutely. Uh, I've been, um, apart from Exalted and various other, and various other kind of uh, World of Darkness games and that sort of thing, I've been digging into Blades in the Dark lately. And one of the things that that's sort of given me an itch for is kind of thinking, well, can we have something with a bit more kind of depth to it and fluff to it? And so I've I found... Um, I found Spire, the city must fall, uh, which is basically Blade in the Dark, but for a fantasy RPG. You are playing a bunch of Dark Elves uh, who are oppressed by the High Elves, and 
being made um, being essentially made into a slave caste so you've decided enough is enough and so you are turning against the rightful rulers of the city evading the authorities um, and trying to overthrow the system uh, in this sort of uh, it feels kind of like um, urban fa- urban fantasy style um, thing from the artwork it looks very very kind of I almost say kind of kind of just a slightly brighter version of Watchmen from the artwork. Um, yeah, and, this is yeah. a this is a Grant Howard yeah. game, so I'm sure mm-hmm. that it's I'm yeah. sure that it's got all of that. <laughs> yeah, it just feels that um, I don't know. Blades just leaves me a little kind of. Can I have a bit more depth, please? Uh, whereas in where Spire kind of feels like it will have that setting and have everything a bit more mapped out and what everything means that little bit more. So if you want, got that sort of heist game itch that um, that Blades kind of satisfies, but you then want to take it a little further, uh, then Spire feels feels like the one to go for. I've not look, I've not actually got it myself, but it's kind of on my wish list. I've I've heard very good things about it, and uh... yeah. What of of Grant's work I've experienced has been very very good, although, admittedly, it was some of his less serious work. Yeah, I mean Grant Howitt is is known for for doing some really fantastic supplements to uh, paranoia and working on paranoia in general, and so I absolutely have high hopes for that and would love to get my hands on it. Take yeah, a look at that in the near future. All right, who wants to go next? Get them all tonight or fly. Hey, either way. All right. I'm. I don't know whether this counts as being obvious or not because it's one of the few ones that I haven't mentioned. I think. I think on our on our podcast, but shouldn't come as any surprise given all the rambling I have done. I'm. I'm going to Shilar's Magicka a bit. So, I mentioned earlier that that I I love I love me some Metaplot. I love the little deranged idea it had of of making Exalted a prequel to the World of Darkness. Ars Magica is the other prequel to the World of Darkness that they did. Um, this is this is a magic system that grew a game around it. Um, <laughs> I, I'm sure the development history, because uh, it's an old um, it's an old Reinhagen game that's gone through so many editions now. But Jonathan Tweet worked on that too, didn't he? Yes, it's got its fifth edition now. It's had it for ages, um, but I've been mostly digging through third edition stuff. The this feels like a magic system that grew a game around it in the best possible way. So all your characters are are mages, are magi, are wizards, whatever name you want to use for it. It's generally set in what they like to call mythic Europe, i.e. we're based in sort of medieval history, except reality is working according to all of the beliefs at the time. Standard thing of if you use magic to do a lightning bolt, it's not going to conduct because people didn't know that conducting electricity was a thing, but it will hone in on the spire of a church because people believe that. It's got an amazing... I'm going to ramble about the magic system for a bit. It's got this amazingly in-depth magic system. You can build you can build spells that you buy with experience to set off reliably, but that's the boring way of doing it. The far more fun way requires baby's first Latin lessons because the Order of Hermes, the big pan-European organization that all wizards with, a, with their salt belong to, um, has developed the universal theory of magic, which states that you have to speak latin for it to work and most people do and it's basically built around combining to go a bit adventure gamey combining verb effects with magical properties like let's say you want to uh i don't know let's say you want to summon up a wall of earth you go creo creo teram 
where you combine the magic verb thing that you can learn in of creo, of making stuff, with element earth. And it's all stuff like that. It's also, and this is why I'm sort of saying it's a bit obvious for me as someone that's into Exalted, got a massively convoluted political system in its, in its world building around the aforementioned Order of Hermes, which is all divided up into houses and subgroups that all politic and nefariously wizard about each other. And yeah, it's... I, I'm I'm wary that I'm sounding a bit incoherent because I'm babbling about something that I've had far, far too much fun with. Um, but it is really... It's an excellent little setting, an excellent little magic system that kind of does just... It calls out for a game to be run in it, even if I can't particularly right now think of some that would, because you're having a struggle with the all-cast-a-party idea, basically. Although it also has the mechanic for grogs, where basically every um, every player is going to have their wizard, and then will also, the party as a whole at character creation, kind of have to work to make the, not quite NPCs, but, you know, the... You have your wizards living in their tower. You will have your your guards, your soldiers, your trackers and hunters and all of that. And in any scene where one of the other players' wizards isn't there, they get to play with some of those ones sort of thing. It's got, they call it troop style. There we go. Play, that was the term they like using throughout. But that's another nice little mechanic that I love pilfering. That's (laughs) a thing I tend to do with a lot of these, a lot of these RPGs that I dig up is, is basically just start pilfering mechanics to pull them into other games cool yeah that's awesome that mm-hmm. that sounds really cool all right so uh if that's yours i have found one that i, I literally just found it uh, this evening mm. but it sounds really cool and as as most of our listeners will know i have kind of a soft spot for kind of cyberpunkish things no so you what never. i've <laughs> what i've found is a game called identico or identico uh mm-hmm. i-d-e-n-t-e-c-o and um, as it turns out, there's a starter bundle on drive through, which includes the core book and a couple of little supplements. But the premise of this game is essentially uh, the years 2099. There were a series of devastating nuclear attacks on America's heartland by no one really knows who um, things got rebuilt. But to kind of help everything along, the U.N. created this centralized human identity program chip as a universal ID program for the world. So it's implanted in you and carries your entire identity, all your metadata, passports, blah, 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 blah. Well, the corporations have figured out how to manipulate people using this. So targeted advertising has been taken to like a whole new level. And so it kind of feels like kind of a cyberpunk shadow run, but where to a certain point, the focus is a little more on the social interactions than the run and gun. And like, I love the, the tagline for the, the game, I think is best summed up in the, in the final sentence of the, the listing on drive through. It says, as the game progresses, the thin line between famous and infamous depends solely underlined on who's watching. And like, I, I don't know, it's a unique system. So I know nothing of the mechanics, but it says it's fast and easy. Um, says when you do have to resort of, to combat, it's simple, fast, and deadly. Experience and reputation are tied together. So I, it sounds like even if I don't want to play this actual game to take some elements of this, you know, to go to, to Rial's thing about, you know, scavenging and stealing, this would be a wonderful thing to add into, yeah. you know, like this is like paranoia on a whole other level in a lot of ways, you know, mm. kind of, 
yeah. So like I said, I just found this, but and like I said, if, if you want just the starter book, the PDF will set you back 16 bucks us. I don't know what that translates to for, for you guys. Um, the starter bundle, which includes, uh, the core book, a starter adventure, a map and a, a, um, Oh, it's a source book for Vancouver. Um, <laughs> 20 bucks. That's, digital, that's, so. a, that's an interesting choice. Are they, um, are humanoid games based around Vancouver? It's, I mean, I don't know, but it, it, yeah. it, it's, I don't know how it hasn't hit my radar yet. Oh, hmm? uh, yeah. it does sound really interesting in, in concept at the very least. Yeah, it's giving me Netrunner vibes. Yeah. Yeah, the covers oh. look very cyberpunkish hmm. and the themes feel appropriately kind of dystopian and techy, although not overly cyber. Mm. Mm. But uh yeah, like I said, that sounds and that's from um what the heck is the name of the company? Humanoid Games. Yes, yes, Humanoid Games. So yeah, Identico is, mm. is my pick this week. Like I said, if, if nothing that's else, nice. it seems like it would be promising scavenging source material. Yes. So uh yeah. sounds like a very successful game of the week. <laughs> lots of choices yeah yeah so uh i would just like to say thank you both very much for for coming to to talk and tell us all about this and being willing to stay up till stupid o'clock your time <laughs> it's all good this is why we do it on the weekend <laughs> yes thank you so much for coming on the podcast and talking yeah, us to, a, it's to been, us today it's been a blast guys thank you and, indeed uh, welcome to the network if, if no one else thank has you. told you even though it hasn't maybe not Maybe is, maybe isn't officially announced, depending on when Chris gets around <laughs> updating the website. <laughs> I'm as a circle. Yeah. All good to be here. Oh, well, all that being said, we want to thank everyone for listening and remind you to be kind to one another and get out there and play some RPGs. Yep. Take care, y'all. Bye. Intro and outro music by the band 12 Noon. You can email us at meandsteverpg at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at andrpgs. Find us on Facebook at meandsteverpgpodcast. On Discord at meandsteverpgs. And as always, all of these links are in the show notes. Thank you, and be kind to one another. for the cigar. Cigar, 20 bucks, dog. You got to go down the street to the store and buy that.